Hey, you're on air with Ella, and today we're talking all about habit change, the formula that works for me, and how you can truly create habits that work for you and break those that don't. Let's go. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey, it's just me today, but I am leaning very heavily on a work by James Clear. He wrote what is hands down my favorite book of the year. I've been talking about it in social media. I've emailed it to you guys. That book is called Atomic Habits. Today, I want to break it down. I want to break down how he talks about habits, share with you what works for me, and then really give you what you need as you go into the new year, planning the best year ever. All right, so we're going to get down and dirty and talk about the why and the how it works. All right, let's do this. I talk to you guys about this stuff all the time. And of course, I have my own habits that I want to make or break. And here are the problem statements I see almost every single time we find that we're challenged in this area, okay? We either want the big bang of change. We want like this dramatic lightning bolt, this big bang, like I said, where all of a sudden change happens, change can happen, and you have the capacity to make it stick. You didn't have it before, but for whatever reason, something happened in your life, it was catalytic and helped you make this change and helped you make it forever. Because that's the second problem that we have. We want to sort of find permanent motivation. Now, you've heard me talk about this before. I talk about momentum rather than motivation, but still like our tendency is to want to find permanent motivation as though it's out there, right? Like if I just buy the thing or if I just do the program or if I just follow this person and do everything that they say, I too will have permanent motivation. It's finite. It's fixed. I'll never be searching for it again. Another thing that I observe in myself and with you guys is that we expect progress to be really linear, like A plus B equals C. So we're easily thwarted if something comes in and knocks us sideways. So we're doing the thing, you know, we're starting the workout program and then something happens, you know, something gets busy in our life or we get blindsided by some other factor. And then all of a sudden we get knocked off that path and we're like, oh, well, I knew I couldn't do it or, oh, well, this always happens, you know, and we're very easily thwarted because we're under the impression that if we just put one foot in front of the other, success should be linear. That is just not the case. So those are some of the common myths about motivation, about making new habits that work for you, about breaking habits that don't serve you anymore. But really, why is habit change so hard? And James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, really breaks this down in a way that made so much sense for me. Okay, why is habit change so hard? Clear says, we do it the wrong way and we try to change the wrong thing. Now, I want you to think back to episode 139 with Jim Fortin, one of the most popular episodes of all time. And if you haven't heard it, it needs to be the one you listen to next. That's episode 139. One times three is three. Three times three is nine. One, three, nine. That's how you can remember. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're welcome. Okay, Jim and James Clear both talk about the same thing. They talk about these three concentric circles, okay? So picture one circle inside of another circle inside of another circle, kind of like a target. In the center, you have identity. And then you have, in the next circle out, you have processes, systems, habits. And then in the third circle, the outmost circle, you have the results or the outcomes. So you start with identity, then you have processes, systems, and habits, and then you have your outcomes in the outer circle. The truth is that the magic to making habits last is to start with the inner circle, to start with identity. Now, I'll give you an anecdote to set this up before I go any deeper, okay? If you're trying to quit smoking, let's say, and you focus on the not smoking, then you are pursuing outcome-based habits. All of your energy goes into not smoking. It's the same with eating or exercise or spending less time gossiping or scrolling on social media. If you are focused on the thing instead of on being the person who doesn't do the thing, then you will very often find yourself right back where you started when your temporary motivation wears off. Now, why is this? It's because identity is essential. It is the secret we unlocked in episode 139 with Jim Fortin. Behavior that is incongruent with the self will not last. I'm going to say that again. Behavior that is incongruent with the self, not in alignment with who you believe yourself to be, that behavior will not last. It will, at the very least, never feel like it's really you. The formula then is to decide the person that you want to be and to prove it to yourself through small wins. So every action that you take is a vote for the kind of person that you want to become. So let's go back to our smoking example. The person who is trying to quit smoking when offered a cigarette is going to say, no thanks, I'm trying to quit smoking. But the person who's working on identity-based habits and on building habits from the inside out, when offered a cigarette, she says, no thanks, I don't smoke. Do you hear the difference there? So the person who understands that this begins as an identity issue and that every action that you take is a vote for the kind of person that you want to become, decides that she is no longer a smoker and she proceeds from there. Now, it's not that simple. I understand that. Your identity emerges, though, out of your habits. So repetition is essential. It's not that you can just do this once or lie to yourself one time and convince yourself. It's that every time you operate from this point of view, you're providing evidence which creates the belief of the person that you want to become. Think about the person who was addicted to smoking. This may have been you. Certainly, you know someone who smoked for years. And then the moment that she found out that she was pregnant, she quit. Perhaps she said, I'm not a smoker. I'm a mother or I'm a mother to be. She changed her identity radically and instantly. And the outcome took care of itself. In this case, she got the lightning bolt. You know, the thing that we're all looking for, she got it. They're not unicorns. They do exist. But unfortunately, they don't exist for every single habit we're trying to make or break. My point is that any habit that is incongruent with yourself won't last. Spending less and saving more money, for example, will remain almost impossible for as long as you tell yourself a story about building wealth or managing money or taking responsibility in a way that isn't serving you. Maybe it's something like, I don't want to care about money that much. It's, it's shallow. Or maybe it's, I'm bad at financial management or it's boring or I'm bad at math. I'm really very creative. You know, whatever story you're telling yourself, as long as your identity is firmly staunched in that story, 
The habit, the thing you want to take on will last only as long as the motivation does. And that's usually not very long. Okay, so easy, right? Like all you have to do is change your identity. Great. (laughs) That's easy. (laughs) Okay, no, but there is a way and that way is not nearly as difficult nor complicated as we might think. As it turns out, your identity is created by what you repeatedly do. Think about it, okay? Are you a morning person? Why? Like, how do you know? You know because every day you get up early, you bounce out of bed, you spring a little thing, and that makes you a morning person. Are you a runner? How do you know? You know because you run. Are you a heavy drinker? How do you know? You get it, right? The more you repeat a behavior, the more you reinforce the identity associated with it. So every action that you take, for better or worse, is a vote for the person you want to be. It's evidence of who you are. So let's revisit the formula again, okay? Pick the area of growth, your relationship, your physical wellness, your spiritual practice, your money, your job, your productivity, anything. In that space, decide the person you want to be. Sidebar, this is a really, really good space for people to work with a coach in, okay? Let's ignore the grammar there. But my point is, a coach can help you do this. A coach can help you look at the areas of your life and then decide the person that you want to be in each of those areas. I start every single one of my coaching clients that way. It takes a minute to actually sit and to look at your life and to look at the different areas of the life balance wheel and decide, who do I want to be? How do I want to live in each of these pieces of the pie? Okay, sidebar's over. In the space, and James Clear's book walks you through this, you prove it to yourself, meaning the person that you are, the person that you want to be, you prove it to yourself with very small wins every single day. That is the secret. Do you want to lose a few pounds? Okay. Determine who you want to be in that. Not, I want my jeans to fit. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I am a person who feels good in my own body. I am a person who walks tall. I feel powerful every day. I am an athlete or I am graceful and strong. In other words, articulate who you are in the body that you want, in the physical fitness that you want, in the shape that feels most comfortable to you. Now you've decided. So what is the tiniest thing that you can do today to prove that person to yourself? I can choose to walk instead of sit. I can stretch in the morning for three minutes. I can calendar a workout and follow through because it was an appointment that I made with myself. Whatever the next small thing is, it depends on where you are right now. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. Okay, so for some people, the next smallest thing might be to get up and go walk for 15 minutes. That might be the next smallest thing for them, where somebody else, it might be to sign up for the triathlon that they've been too scared to sign up for, okay? Your next smallest thing depends on where you are. But let me repeat the formula again. Decide the person you want to be and prove it to yourself with very small wins every single day. Let me tell you what the antithesis of this looks like. That would be something more like, oh, I hate the way that I look. I should work out. I can't work out, but beating myself up feels like cardio. That should count. (laughs) Or maybe it's something like, I'm going to get fit. I just spent 12 kajillion dollars on workout clothes or classes or my new Peloton bike. So that'll do it. (laughs) All right. 
None of those things is bad, right? They just do not work over the long term if you haven't, number one, decided, and number two, taken one little step every day so that becoming that person is actually easy because it is happening by degrees. I have a Peloton, okay? But if I'd bought it when I was 25 years old, it would have been like the most expensive duvet stand (laughs) because I was not a person who exercised every day. Today, I'm a person who wants to make exercising for at least 15 minutes every day really easy because I am a person who exercises every day or I am a person who moves my body every day. So my potentially expensive clothing rack is actually a well-used bike. Does that make sense? It's because I got my identity in order and then the systems and the processes, meaning the things that you do, resulted in an outcome. Let me pick on myself with a different example, okay? I'm a hard worker. I am constantly busy and I do not, pray tell, I cannot meditate because I am a person who moves fast all the time, okay? Can you relate to this? I work so hard. I'm so busy. I can't meditate. Like I can't. It's physically not possible. So let's say I find short-term motivation, okay? And I can try my meditation app for seven days and sign up for the trial or, but over the long run, I quote, cannot meditate until I stop identifying as someone who has to stay in constant motion. Meditating under that identity really is impossible because it's so different from the identity that I have created for myself. So look at me. I act like I'm a shark. If I stop moving, I'll die. I have to stay in constant motion. Somehow my worth is tied to my productivity, blah, 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 right? So what would you tell me? What would you advise me? Wouldn't you tell me to stop fueling that identity that's not serving me? Would you tell me to become aware of what I was doing and how it was hurting me? What would you tell me to do? Would you tell me to just get motivated and try meditating for an hour every day? Have a morning routine. (laughs) That would not work. Would you tell me to quit my job and spend a month in an ashram? (laughs) Or would you say, Ella, Ella, what if you tried to sit still and breathe for just one minute a day? Can you do that? Can you sit still and breathe in and out for one minute a day? Right. The next smallest thing. For me, that's one minute of stillness. For you, it might be walk the dog or cook one time a week or don't have that third drink. It's the next smallest thing while you prove to yourself who you can be by degrees. So this is where Atomic Habits gives us practical advice and a literal guide to actually changing behavior. James Clear says there are four steps to habit creation and then four laws of behavioral change to break or form a habit. But let me give you the Cliff Notes version. Any habit or behavior you do over and over again on autopilot, all right, that's what makes a behavior a habit. You're doing it without thinking. It has four elements to it, Clear says. It has a cue, that's the trigger. The craving, that's the urge that you feel, the response, which is what you do, and a reward, okay? So if you have a wine habit, you can have any number of cues or triggers that sort of trigger the wine. It could be your trigger is 
just that the clock turned to 7 p.m., okay? (laughs) It could be that the cue or the trigger is that you're cooking dinner, or maybe that you finally got the kids to bed, okay? The cue that triggers the craving. That craving is the urge to have a glass of wine. Your response is the action that you take. You have the wine, and the reward is that the wine smooths out your edges. It does its thing, right? So what if we're trying to change that habit? Then there's an action to take to disrupt each of those four stages. Or in the case of trying to build a good habit, there are four ways to ease each of those stages and to make them possible and easy and convenient. Again, though, I think it's best to explain by example. Okay, so let me take a habit we're trying to break. We'll stick with wine for the moment. And a habit we're trying to make, like exercising every day. Okay, James Clear says that the trick is to make doing the right things easy and the wrong things hard. Do you want to break the habit of wine? Don't buy it or buy it on demand only, meaning buy it when you are going to consume it. Don't keep it in the house. Decide you're going to reserve wine for weekends or nights out. And during the week, there just isn't any in your home. Keep it out of the refrigerator. Put it somewhere weird, like in the garage or in the attic. Anything to make it less obvious and more difficult. For our good habit formation, make it really obvious and really easy. Lay out the workout clothes next to the bed. Sleep in them if you want. Set your alarm. Hire a trainer. Hang the dog leash on your doorknob. Program the coffee maker. Set up the workout DVD the night before. Again, it depends on where you are. Your starting move is going to be different than someone else's. I need to tell you a quick story about a time I was giving a speech um, and doing a workshop with a group of women. And I had asked them about the one habit, the commitment they were going to make in the next, you know, when they left the room, basically. And they were sharing their habits. And, you know, they were some of the things that you would expect. Some were around financial management. Some were about exercise. Some were about drinking more water, getting more sleep, that sort of thing. And this one woman said, I'm going to move the sofa. And I was like, good for you. And she goes, no, I love those P90X workouts, the DVD workouts. They make me feel good when I do them. And every morning I come downstairs and I don't do them because the sofa is in the way. And it just feels first thing in the morning, like too much work to move the damn sofa. She said, so when I get home, I'm moving the sofa. I am rearranging the living room so that I never have that excuse again. So she moved the sofa and then she started working out every single day. I love that story. Her first move was to move the sofa. Atomic Habits goes into a lot of detail about this, okay? About making habits easy, attractive, satisfying, or making the bad habits harder to do, making them unattractive to us, and how to make them unsatisfying. But I want to keep moving. I want to talk about why we can know all of this and it's still hard. Like we want to do the right things. We know what they are in most cases, and we still stop. We fail. We fall short. Why? If we know the right thing to do, and if I'm sitting here telling us that if we just do the right thing multiple times and create repeated patterns that prove to ourselves that we are who we want to be, then we can create good habits. Then what on earth? Why is it still hard? In my experience, there are three main reasons for this. The first reason is that we mistake busyness for productivity, okay? Or as Clear says it, we mistake motion for taking real action. Let's say you want to start a business. What do you do? You might consume every podcast known to humanity about starting a business. And then maybe you listen to all the ones on building a following. And then maybe you listen to all the ones on marketing. (laughs) 
I mean, you have your PhD in podcasts, or maybe you want to write a book. So you're going to start by reading every book on how to read a book. But what you need to do is write. Or in the case of starting the business, you need to do the thing that starts the business. But motion, just the art of staying in perpetual movement, it makes us feel like we are making progress while totally minimizing any risk of failure. Can you see that? I can plan all day, but until I practice, I am not getting anywhere, but I'm safe, right? I can plan all day, but until I practice, I'm not getting anywhere, but I'm safe. So where do you really want to do something big or something meaningful for you? It doesn't have to be big. Are you thinking and planning and consuming? Is it time to act? Is it time to do? Is it time to create? What is the next smallest thing you can do toward that? The second main reason I think we continue to cycle through motivation to disappointment or worse, apathy, like we're either disappointed in ourselves and we're beating ourselves up or, and I really do think this is worse, we throw in the towel, we're apathetic. We're like, oh, that was old me. I can't do that anymore. I'm too old, tired, not the right, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. We disconnect from our vision of us. The second reason we're doing that is because we want it right now. (laughs) Like, why would I work out? It will literally not change my body to go work out right now. I will come home and I will still be too fluffy for my cute jeans. So why? Or why would I put this wine down? Like, why would I not have that third drink? Why would I not buy this thing? Buying this thing right now feels really good. And buying this one thing is not actually going to bankrupt me. The thing about us is the reward of the good habit is in the future. Now me wants the reward right now, but the reward of doing the good habit is very typically in the future. But the reward of the bad habit is right now. Thank you very much. I get the new shoes. I ate that cake. I yelled at him or her and damn it, it felt good. (laughs) Put another way, okay? The cost of a good habit, the pain, the sacrifice, the discipline, the cost is felt right now. Why would I deprive myself of that right now? And the cost of the bad habit, spending too much or staying up too late because of the Netflix binge or not exercising, the cost of that bad habit is in the future. The pain is in the future. That future might be an hour from now, the next day, or two years down the road, but it's not right now. And this is the kicker. And it's true way too much of the time for this to be easy. So what do we do about it? We create rewards around the good choice right now. I am not great at this. I'm working on it. Sometimes they're literal rewards and sometimes they're a way of thinking. So I'll give you a couple of examples. I need to drink more water. So I make it easy. This is something we've already talked about. I make it easy. I put water bottles everywhere. I have one at the desk. I have one on the nightstand. I have one in the car. But I need to reframe from thinking, ugh, boring old water, to thinking, oh, look, looky there. It's great skin and better digestion right there in a bottle just waiting for me. And all I have to do is drink it. (laughs) Okay. And then when I do, I say a little something to myself like, look at that. That was good for you. Or I notice how it feels in my body. And I notice how it almost instantly feels good to have done so. 
Here's another example. I met my buddy at the gym and instead of just powering on and then racing home or back to work and all the usual rat race, I spend the minute it takes to like grab my towel and my car keys and to collect my stuff and to get to the car to travel home. And I spend that 90 seconds actually feeling great, acknowledging my body, like feeling the endorphins and saying, well, look at you, look at you feeling better now than you did an hour ago. (laughs) Nice guns. (laughs) Whatever. A little mental reward that took only a second to give it, but it lets you and your brain acknowledge the behavior that you're trying to reward. So when it comes to breaking bad habits, there are even tricks to making these unrewarding. So you can get really creative or you can just get accountable with a buddy or a group or inflict a consequence of some kind. You can tell your partner that if you read your phone in bed, then he or she gets to decide your consequence, okay? And then they can get really creative there. The point is, acknowledge the truth and don't just barrel onward toward the bad habit. If you do the good thing, then reward it, acknowledge it reward each other, celebrate it, post on Facebook. I just worked out and I didn't want to, and now I'm a rock star. Okay. (laughs) Text me and Instagram. Acknowledge that we're all reward and fear-based and make it work for you. So for a lot of habits I'm trying to break or just things when I'm being lazy and I just want to do the next easiest thing that's super convenient. And I check in with future me really quickly and I let her make the call. And then the next day, for example, if I don't have, for me, it's the second drink. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a lightweight. For me, if I don't have the second drink, the next day I acknowledge, you know, man, am I glad that I shut that down. Or I turned whatever the electronic was off and I went to bed at a decent time. I try so hard to check in the next day and just be like, oh man, I'm glad I did that. It takes three seconds to reinforce that identity in my head. Today me is grateful for what yesterday me did. Okay, that's it. It's really that simple. I want to talk about one more main reason that I think we drop off on our good habits and roll on all too easily with our bad ones. We get sidelined incredibly easily. We revert at the drop of a hat. I mean, I want to spend a quiet minute every night with my husband sharing one thing we're grateful for and one thing we want to do the next day. I have been saying this for 10 years. I have done it twice. (laughs) Twice in 10 years. (laughs) Why? Because the night after night one, we didn't do it again. We just forgot. It wasn't a habit yet. And it was honestly like a little weird the first time we did it. It was kind of awkward. So why would I even go out of my way to remember to do the awkward thing that isn't top of mind for me? So that was it. I I was just like, we just aren't the kind of people who do that. And I just decided that. (laughs) And I only tried it twice in 10 years. I did the same thing both times. Let's say you want to decide to gossip less or stop binging on chips or your kid's dessert. Or maybe you decide you're going to work out more mornings than not. And then invariably life happens. I don't care if you've had a few good days in a row or months or years, life will kick us sideways invariably. And a lot of times we say, well, that's that then. Like I'm over here. (laughs) I got kicked over here. It's too late or it's too hard or that was old me or I'm just not the kind of person who can do that. And we actually think this kills me. And I find myself doing it, by the way. We actually think that other people are are like made better or know better or have some kind of special gene that makes them wake up every day totally gung-ho for life and ready to take it by the horns. Like they got something that we didn't. Newsflash, okay? There are only three people 
in the entire human race who are actually like that at any given time. The rest of us, no. We're here every day talking ourselves into this thing called life, okay? The difference is that some of us do certain things consistently enough that we actually believe them. We start deluding ourselves into thinking that we're a person who can do things. It's all a delusion. We're making all of it up, so why not make up the thing that serves you? Show up every day in the smallest possible way so you too can, quote, be the kind of person who does the thing. Don't get sidelined by one bad day. Frequency is everything. Consistently showing up for yourself is the thing. Did you screw up yesterday? Did you get too busy? Did you pig out? Did you lose your temper? Great. What are you doing next? Every time you repeat an action, you're building a neural pathway. Keep doing it and the pathway becomes stronger. It becomes more reflexive. It becomes automatic. It becomes a habit. Show up on your bad day and don't let anything get in the way of you showing up the day after your bad day. Do not put up a zero. Be the person who does the next small thing. The power of just showing up for yourself is the greatest thing that I have learned in recent history. Show up in that relationship. Show up in your own integrity. Show up for that workout. Show up with your voice at work. Show up for yourself in the ways that are meaningful to you. It is not a big bang revolution to get the life that you want, my beautiful, beautiful friend. It is the tiniest, tiniest of actions that you can take in that moment toward the you that you want to be. I love you and I think that you are absolutely extraordinary. See you later. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.